Uh, well, you know what really suck? If you become a ghost and you still need eyeglasses to see, I would be, I'd be so pissed off. I'd be like, I, I'd be like, you know, after I get hit by the train or whatever, I'd be get up. Oh, I'm a ghost now. I'm wearing glasses and I need them. This sucks. <laughs> It'd be like a guy in a wheelchair who's like, God, who becomes a ghost. He's like, I still need a wheelchair, a ghost wheelchair now. Anyways. <laughs> Welcome to Page and Screen. Um, this is a book club for books adapted to movies and a movie club for movies adapted from books. Uh, my name is Calvin, and I refuse to believe that the brown man's favorite food is shepherd pie. <laughs> the <laughs> Hi, my name is Doug. The haunting of Bly Manor, more like the haunting of ghost nerd. <laughs> 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 I'm Jesse Mully, and I don't like Henry Thomas's smile. Oh my! God. Hi, I'm Ashton Sanborn, and uh, Miles never fooled me for a second. I knew he was up to no good the whole time. Like, put aside the fact that Owen had probably eaten daisy food his life in his life, but then he also studied cooking in France. Okay, and then you're telling me he's going to say his favorite food is fucking meat and potatoes? No, bullshit. This episode, we are discussing The Turn of the Screw. The Turn of the Screw was a novella written by Henry James in 1898, and it was adapted to The Haunting of Bly Manor in 2020, uh, created by Mike Flanagan. All right, so we can dive into the novella, um, some classic Victorian horror, Turn of the Screw. Um, What did everyone think? Boring. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. This was a, this was a no. tough one to get through. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very slow. I felt like I was <clears throat> constantly rereading it. Uh, just like I'll read like three pages and be like, I didn't absorb anything that happened in those three pages. Like I enjoyed the concept of the story. It just was, it was hard to get through. And it was, like, it was very slow moving. Um, and that the ending was like, Wait, what? It's so anticlimactic, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody feel that the way this book was written wasn't even right? Like it just like you're when you're reading along with it or listening to the audiobook, for me I just couldn't like get into it, but not only that, my I just had a hard time understanding what was going on. Like it might just be like language like issue, mm-hmm. you know, like in terms of like how old this text was. It was written in the eighteen nineties. Um but that being said, like I've read other gothic court, like I just read Dracula and like I've read Frankenstein and stuff like that. And even for that time period, this is like excessively like descriptive language. Um, and it's a lot of like beating around a point. Basically, like every chapter is her just like talking about I saw a ghost. But she takes the most roundabout way to get around to to explaining that oh this was a ghost, um, you know, and uh, and I think like that's what was so hard about it is because like the plot line is is in is immensely interesting you know like I had heard about the turn of the screw you know before I even got around to watching the TV show um, and it sounded like uh, you know something that was right up my alley. Ah, cool classic 
ghosts, you know, ghost story, haunted house kind of scenario. I'm so down for this. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it is, um, it is a lot of words to get a very small story across. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, she was making a bunch of strange, well, not strange, but like in my mind when I was reading it and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like all her jumps were insanely wild. Like it was just like, oh, there's a ghost in the house. Obviously they want the children. <laughs> That's true. Right? Like yeah, it's just kind of like, like... <laughs> yeah. Like it didn't really like I was like, why do you think they want the children? Like they haven't said a thing. <laughs> yeah. No, it it is super strange. Um I also thought like one of the things that stood out for me the most cuz we read this in pretty close succession to Haunting of Hill House. Um, in Hill House, there's very little ghost activity, but I still felt like the language was a lot more interesting, yeah. and it and it really kind of suckered me in, and it and it kind of built the sense of dread. In Turn of the Screw, there's so much fucking haunting, like like she is seeing full bodied apparitions every day, like you know, in the night, in the morning, like during the day, I'm like, whoa, like there is so much haunting that happens in this book, but she addresses it in the most like clinical, non-interesting way that I'm just like, what? Like, what is this? Like, yeah. it feels like just a very sterile kind of way to describe the, the stuff that's happening. And I'm like, I would think that if this is a ghost story, you would be trying to spook people. Yeah, and, it's like the worst ghost party ever. It's like <laughs> you're sitting there like brooding the entire time. It's like, oh, this guy has something great on up his sleeve. He's like, let me send away for it. Like, and then uh, the the SpongeBob like three days later, like uh, it pops <laughs> up, and then he's like, I finally got this from my manservant or whatever it was. Yeah, like, like the buildup is great. So like the first like three pages of like the storyteller setting this up and then he proceeds to to literally just read like a four-hour letter that he <laughs> that he had once <laughs> like i would be sitting there and be like yo dude can can you just get to the point it's been like two and a half hours and i, <laughs> I get it <laughs> and then especially especially if you did sit there the entire like three three or four hours of like this guy reading a uh, letter by the end you'd be like so the kid died mysteriously Okay, thanks for all that stuff. Also, spoiler alert, by the way. Well, okay, <laughs> maybe you should just get into the ending now. Did everyone, like, pick up on what happens in the end? I, um, I, I thought the kid died of fright. But then I didn't know because I know she's holding uh, the kid. So I either thought either he died of fright or she was so scared she uh, strangled him to death. Mm -hmm. But by the ending, I just really didn't care anymore. Like, I thought about it for a couple seconds. I was like, okay, well, whatever. I guess he's dead. <laughs> I guess he's dead. I, I was really confused with that ending, too, as well. And I, I kind of had to, like, look it up and be like, like, am I, like, missing something? And, like, basically what I, what I got the impression of, too, after, like, reading a bunch of interpretations, because there's a lot of different interpretations of what that ending is. And supposedly the only person who's been seeing the ghost the entire – and, like – then I thought about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're, that's totally true. The only person who's been seeing the ghost the entire time is the governess. And 
so and she was holding him close so she ended up like i think people said that she was actually crazy and there weren't any ghosts and she actually ended up smothering the child and that's why he died strange thing to um, write into a, into a letter <laughs> yeah um <laughs> like i, I sorry i keep cutting you off go ahead man no 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 it's okay um I think, like, so I did definitely read that interpretation. I basically read that it was, like, you could either look at this from two different perspectives. One is the governess is this hero who's just protecting these children from, you know, a supernatural force. Um, the second is that it's a woman slowly going crazy and then tragically killing one of these kids um, or a child dying in her care kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, I think I lean more towards the first um, version. Like, I think I lean more towards looking at it as a supernatural story and that, that there were ghosts in it because that's what it's billed as, you know? So, like, so in my mind, that's what I want to read. I want to read this ghost story. My interpretation was that the ghosts were possessing the kids. And obviously, we'll get to Bly Manor and how this does kind of take place in Bly Manor more. And I feel that whatever happens at the end was um, was the ghost of Quint leaving um, Miles and Miles dying because of that, um, mm-hmm. like because the ghost leaves him. Um, but yeah, that was my interpretation. I don't know. Yeah, Doug, I, I, and I read that this? one as well. I'd read that interpretation as well. Yeah. Online, yeah. yeah. So. so here's what happened <laughs> okay. to me. So I'm I, so the audiobook I'm reading is on YouTube and it's broken up into five parts, right? So mm-hmm. I, I listen to the first four parts and then the, la- the the fourth part ends and then it stops and it's like this is the recording and I and and I didn't realize there was a part five to this book. So I'm sitting around for like half a day thinking, did I miss something? Was there something spooky that was supposed to happen? Because I think the end of the book is this little girl or they, they find this little girl beside the lake and they're freaking out or something. And I'm like, I, I guess that's an okay ending, but it literally makes no sense. It's like, and I guess Ashton did tell me it ends pretty abruptly. So I, I look a summary online and as I'm reading it, cause I thought, cause I, I wanted to look at a summary to see if I missed something obviously important. And then I started reading more. I'm like, Oh, wait a second. There's more to this book. So you I know spent- you have the book too, right? Like you could have flipped, like, like read the book and found yeah, that it was, <laughs> I was also driving. Okay. <laughs> wow. What's this guy's problem? So anyways, I was indeed driving when I, when I was reading, uh, when I was listening to, to the final part of this. Uh, anyways, all beside the point. So I finished, once I finished this morning, I didn't actually think about what you guys just said. I, I thought it was just a possession and it just like uh, Peter Quint leaving the kid's body killed him, right? That's what I thought. And then you guys were mm-hmm. talking about it, like she may have killed him. It may have been mental illness. And I'm like, yeah, that actually makes way more sense to me. And for, <laughs> But anyways, that was my, my initial interpretation was that, the, that, that he was possessed and Peter Quint leaving him killed him. And so... Yes, that's uh, and then I and then at the end of the book, I'm like, that makes a lot more sense, and uh, it's a lot better of an ending than I initially thought. So, but yeah, like it's it is such a confusing, confusing way, and it does end so abruptly. Like, you know, I, I like I fully intended, I fully expected it to go back to the to the framing narrative that you see at the start to go back to the storyteller telling the story and like having to explain like, well, we don't really know what happened, but she's dead now. You know, I just thought it was so strange that they had this framing narrative at the start, but they'd never return to it. 
like they just end the story abruptly um was anyone like genuinely spooked by it at any point it, it goes to back to that whole thing where you know all these older horror horror books and stories they're not scary to us because we're so exposed to like the next level of horror so they're like uh, they're like oh i saw peter quinn standing on the stairs and i'm sure like you know victorian era so somebody'd be like oh, i can't sleep because of because peter quinn's on the stairs <laughs> but us are less like we're like and like if somebody ran into my room was like i just saw a ghost on the stairs i'm like okay cool um is that it is that the end of your story okay no you wouldn't okay <laughs> i've been in that exact situation where i'm like oh okay <laughs> okay maybe i would be like oh crap there's a you saw a ghost on the stairs let's go check this out or whatever to some extent what you're saying is true um we are so de- desensitized to to this type of horror um but it's like you know this was written in the 1890s um and there are so many horror stories that are similar to this you know like i feel like this is where the concept of children being creepy like this is probably one of the first books to like really explore that um but like for me like whenever i pick up a horror book to me like the creepiest part is always the start of it i like i found that to kind of consistently be the case is like it's mostly just like the anticipation of like, oh, like what's going to happen. And then depending on the book, it either like really delivers on that or in the case of Jordan Screw, it doesn't. The first like three pages of him like talking about how like really hyping up this fucking ghost story that he's going to tell. I was like, oh, shit, like this has got to be really spooky, you know, and like and that was my anticipation. Like um, after that, it like quickly goes downhill. Turn of the Screw is good ASMR material. Really, if you want to just go to sleep, just pop, put that on and go to sleep. Really. Could not get interested whatsoever. While I was watching Haunting of Bly Manor, I was like, oh, crap, oh, crap. I should probably be doing this because I was scared. It's it's interesting, and we'll get into Bly Manor here in a second. But I was obviously reading it knowing that we were going to watch the show right after. As I was reading it, I was like, oh, man, they are serving up some really good scenes. Because there's so much haunting right like she sees ghosts all the goddamn time to the point where i'm like like if you're a paranormal investigator like dude like this is like your bread and butter so reading that i was like oh like i can't wait to see how they do it and they they did but uh but yeah we can we can start wrapping up here on turn of the screw does anyone have anything else that they want to add not really yeah like i think we pretty much touched on it all um the kids like they were in the book, they're definitely explained to be like perfect children. Uh, that was an ongoing mystery throughout the whole thing. Uh, is like, what did Miles do to get expelled from his school? No, that he stole do... letters. Like, yeah, she suspects that he stole. Which I'm like, that's I, fuck. Pretty... I don't know what Victorian era England was like, but they're super extreme that's... with yeah. their punishment for freaking yeah. stealing letters. <laughs> um yeah so like it was like that but like obviously like throughout you're kind of like okay these kids can't be this good there's something like something's got to be wrong with them and then lo and behold you start seeing you start getting glimpses of these like weird things that these kids are doing and it's because of because they were possessed like right like it's one of those things because it's still a question at the end of the book there's so many questions and not very many answers but at the end of the book were they possessed was it all in our head uh what did he do to get expelled as a kid but 
then again, it's Victorian era. They get some serious punishment for almost nothing. Probably, probably use standards. the Lord's name in vain or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's probably or something like that. But yeah, like I think that was it. It was just like there was just so many unanswered questions by the end that it kind of left me unsatisfied. What's it called? Yeah, no, I just showing off my book. Because I'm a super fan and uh, no one else is, as far as I know. So. It's so funny because I actually gave Doug that copy. Like, that's my copy nice. of the book. Cool. <laughs> so <he's> just... <laughs> this, is, uh, this is only the second time that I have the actual copy. I read, um, I guess, Starship Troopers and this one are the only two where I actually had the oh really the physical that's... copy of the book. The rest that's... were all, like, e-readers or, or audiobooks. But anyhow. I, I might buy this book, actually, even though I didn't like it. Because... I... Like yeah. I just want to have it so next time I'm at a go like a ghost story party, I'll just They're be like, boy, good. I have a story for you. Boy, was... Let me mail it off and let me mail off and uh, get someone to bring it <laughs> yeah, to I'll me. I'll be like, everybody's telling all these ghost stories, and I'm like, man, Douglas is brooding over there. He must have something big up his sleeve. And then I, I'm like, let me let me just phone somebody and I I'll phone Ash and be like, Hey Ashton, can you uh, FedEx me your version of uh turning of this uh, the turn of the screw? You know, one day later. Open it. Be like, okay, guys, we're gonna, I'm going to read this to you. And it's going to be the slowest book in history. It's going to be the least scary thing in history. It's like an Andy Kaufman skit. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to yes. say it's like an Andy Kaufman sketch. <laughs> I, I like how they were able to keep the momentum of a ghost story night over the course of an entire day while they're <laughs> waiting for a letter to arrive. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess we could get into The Haunting of Blind Manor, um, which uh, came out very recently. Um, October of 2020, um, just in time for Halloween. The second this trailer dropped for this series, I was like, oh boy, I want to read this book. I want to watch this immediately. Like I'm so, oh, hyped for it. So yeah, Blind Manor is kind of the follow-up to Hill House. Mike Flanagan show runs it again. It's super cool. Um, I just, I love the concept of an anthology horror series um i don't know if they're gonna do a series three from what i understand he's busy on another project but it feels like what he's doing is what um american horror story kind of tried to do um but he's just doing it so much better to get into blind manor a little bit um i i thoroughly enjoyed it i think inevitably you kind of compare it to hill house and i think i think they're very different series altogether like mm -hmm. initially my my thought was my gut reaction was I did prefer Hill House more, but Bly Manor is such a different, it's such a different show and the tone of it is so different. And really the ending is what like really hits you in the fact that like, Oh, like this, this, this story was about something else, you know, in a way that was like really quite like quite lovely and not what I was expecting especially in comparison to Turn of the Screw. It's very different from the ending of Turn of the Screw. And I love the ending of Bly Manor. Like, that's what, similar to Hill House, I feel like the ending of Bly Manor is what really sells the show for me. He's He does this great thing where his endings really wrap up the rest of the storyline and really kind of put it into perspective. And I've kind of, like, seen that, like, not just in the tv shows that he's done but i've kind of seen that in like the movies that he's done too you know with with hush and with dr sleep hush in particular because it's it's a small storyline but the ending kind of 
encapsulates the rest of the movie, you know, and it's the same with Dr. Sleep where it's not so much of a small storyline. It's, it's huge. And there's so much kind of mythology and like, I guess like a universe that he's dealing with, with the shining and stuff like that. But like the ending really kind of encapsulates the rest of it, you know, that I think more than anything is what he's so good at is he's really good at the endings and, and Bly Manor has a, a pretty solid ending, which I don't know. We could get to in due time, but what's everyone else's reaction? Yeah, I, I think I'm the I'm with you. Like I think you're right. You're it's inevitable. You're gonna compare them the compare the two series. And I think I'm with you. I definitely think I got way more into um Hill House than I did Bly Manor. I really liked I did like Bly Manor, uh, especially as it kind of sat and percolated. Cause at first it was kind of like I was like the first half of it. I was like, Oh, this is, this is kind of slow. This is kind of like, I mean, because Hill house was for me, it was like captivating. Mm-hmm. And like, like I was into it for like the first half, like all the way through. Um, and I think, and I definitely liked the ending of Bly Manor more than I liked the ending of Hill house. I think I mentioned yeah. it in, the, in that podcast about Hill house is like the ending was a little too saccharine and sweet for me. Like I was like, and all the ghosts lived happily ever after together. And it was kind of like, okay, like that was like slightly not what I expected, but Bly Manor's ending was fantastic. Uh, all the actors were fantastic. Um, the guy who plays Peter Quint, really good. Me and Doug were watching um, Bly Manor together. We never called him Peter Quint. We we're like the Luke because Luke was the guy he played in uh, Hill House. But he's really good. And what's her name? Um, the governess. Danny. Yeah. Danny. Yeah. I was like, once again, I was like, Nell. But yeah, like, calling her Nell. In fact, we just, and actually, except except the uh, the uncle, which we called Elliot. Uh, we, we, we basically <laughs> called, we called them all by their Hill House names every time they popped up. But yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I did really like all the characters and the actors. And um, I'm actually been a really big fan ever since Hill House of Katie Siegel. I was a little disappointed that she only was in like, you know, one episode. But um, it's a good episode, though. It was a very good. It's a very good episode. She did yeah. a really good job. But like I said, all the character, all the actors did a great job in it. And all the new people were really good in it. Uh, the girl, the, the guy who played Owen, the girl who played Hannah was really good. So hot, and... so hot. The guy who plays Owen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like at the end of the day, like I thought that, and like everything they added, like obviously they were going to have to add a lot because it's a novella that's 120 pages and you made it nine episodes long. So like nine hour long episodes. So they added a lot in, but it was a lot of like really good ads and, and they took the scenes that were in the book and elevated them to be actually a lot more creepy and scary than the book actually did. So I really did. I was very happy with the series at the end of the day. So as Ash and I were watching it, I kept like, I kept just mentioning stuff like, like one thing I noticed is there are a lot of themes, like themes of loss, things of themes of even like mental illness were kind of crossing over the two series. So I kind of see how they were able to build two. Like, of course, there are two completely separate stories, but I kept I kept seeing similarities between the two. I also kind of liked um, I like watching the second series more because I they had set up rules in the first series about ghosts can only do this. Ghosts can only do that. Right. And so I, I like how they built on those things more. Overall, I, I like the acting Ash and I, we we both commented when when Elliot was like speaking in in English uh, in like an English accent, 
we were like oh man he's actually like super good with an english like like yeah. I, if i didn't if i didn't know he wasn't english I'd, I'd totally buy his accent peter quill no peter quint sorry i make that mistake often peter quint <laughs> he had like a scottish accent no an irish accent and uh, i'm just like it's scottish it's yeah scottish. he didn't do he didn't do a very good he didn't do a very good job as far as i'm concerned how dare you <laughs> yeah with, uh, luke lighting it up actually he's also um, he's actually english too like he's uh he's from he's no from shut english. up seriously yeah what that's crazy you, you know because crazy... i've only i've yeah, only seen ahead. him in blind man i only saw him in hill house and invisible man both of those he's doing an american accent but apparently he's also the bad guy in the Dwayne the rock johnson movie faster oh fuck. yeah that sounds great <laughs> yeah that, and so that led to um ashton and i discussing whether fighting with our family is in the top 10 of uh of Dwayne the Rock Johnson films and <laughs> sorry I completely <laughs> no but that was an actual conversation that we'll probably have later on but uh, <laughs> uh no I thought it was an I thought it was an excellent I I actually quite like the this series more um but yeah it 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 just had all those same themes of of sadness and loss um the last episode was done uh, Greg Sestero was in the last episode and it was directed by uh by tommy wiseau no it wasn't shut up <laughs> no but joking. greg sestero was in it greg sestero was in the episode who was greg sestero he was the guy that the um, the girl was marrying like at the wedding that's why oh, oh my god it's greg yeah. sestero uh, and like nice. doug pointed it out i'm like no it is oh my god it is <laughs> <laughs> and then tommy nice. wiseau was in the wedding background as well no, you, no, no that's not true he's like, he's like oh hi wedding like <laughs> he, 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 tries to, he tries to steal the show he's like he just starts like yelling out fake lines that no one gave him <laughs> well what do you think about this jesse so um quite a lot so going from um turn of the screw to blind manor was like a, such a huge improvement it was like a kid handing in like a bad paper that he didn't do. And the teacher's like, no, go do it again. And he came back and put effort into it. So immediately, uh, kudos to that. I thought Hill House was a lot scarier. And to bring up the point, there was always those hidden ghosts in Hill House, right? And in Haunting of Bly Manor, they're way more obvious. But I feel they're way more obvious for a reason. is because like, you find out each one of these ghosts has is really directly laid in with the story there. For example, when I noticed the plague doctor sitting in the corner there, I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of creepy. But you see him, he's a little bit more obvious than some of the ghosts in, like, say, Hill House are. He's deliberately put there, or he's, you know, over on the side. Um, The no-face doll ghost, uh, the moaning uh, ghost upstairs, all of these way more integral to the plot, and I feel as if they thought, you know, maybe some of these ghosts are a little too hard to miss or um, uh, too easy to miss in Hill House, so they made it more obvious. That being said, um, I like the story in um, Bly Manor a little bit more than Hill House. And the reason is I'm not a big fan of the time travel aspect in Haunting of Hill House, where they're uh, jumping back and forth that they're seeing themselves as ghosts. But what I did like was the dream uh, dream sharing in um haunting of Bly Manor, how they can, how uh, when these ghosts possess the kids, they push them into a memory or a, a dream, so to speak. I didn't quite like that. So um, I don't know, just the way it felt was a bit better. Um, 
overall it was i like the story of more but hill house just had me like way more scared so yeah no i mean i'm inclined to agree with you i think hill house definitely was scarier and i felt like watching blind manor 2 i got about five and i was like huh not a lot of scares far like it took its it kind of took its time getting into it the last four episodes got like considerably more um more spooky um or like i guess like just in terms of like what they're going through like it really does kind of ramp up and you start to to really get a of of the haunting and stuff like that the thing about most horror stories that tends to draw me out of them or really pull me out of them is um when you start explaining the mechanics of think about like in insidious when you start explaining why there's this like ghost world something like that and and how that works um or in the conjuring too when you know you start to explain how lorraine has these visions there's something about taking something that's supernatural and applying these like really strange like rules and, and regulations to it that really takes me out of it and to that end i didn't like the dream hopping in Bly Manor. I felt like that really pulled me out of it. I think when Hannah goes through it, um, it was really a fact, you know, I think it's like episode six when you first um, go through that dream hopping. Cause that's the other thing too, is the, the, the show is so different from Hill House in the fact that like, it's so linear, right? Like the first five episodes happen in like in perfect linear order, you know, um, and then it's not till episode six that you start doing this dramatic kind of like jumping through narrative. Um, when it happens to Hannah, it was interesting. Um, and it kind of made sense to me because I was like, oh, like it's because she's dead. It's because she's she's already a ghost. Yeah. So so she's jumping through these narratives and it makes sense that like she's in a sort of purgatory and she can't seem to snap herself out of it. Right. Um when it's happening to the kids, it made a little less sense to me because because then it was like because then it felt like this like cool narrative trick that they were just implementing on all of these characters, you know. And it almost and I think at like certain points it happens like it happens like out of convenience. Like there's at certain points where the kids they're requesting to be pushed into a memory or where they're like talking to the ghost and like well why can't you just push her into a memory and i'm like well that seems that's like now you're using this like thing that was a cool plot device but now you're using it just for convenience sake that was actually like probably like my biggest gripe with the with the show Um, it does seem a little like almost like a stephen king mechanic i guess if you think about it like yeah and that's you know that's a whole other conversation but that's again one of the things that always is pulling out of Stephen King books is, is mechanics of his hauntings and the mechanics of like of these supernatural elements. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, ultimately like it, that's, that is probably my biggest gripe at the show. It stands, you know, it really goes to show how solid the show is because it doesn't take that much away from it. You know, it's still, I think, I think there's a very emotional story kind of at the core of this. And, um, you know, they do use some kind of strange narrative devices to get to it, but it's still super effective. I think like the most effective part of this, 
the storyline is like is the characters and how much you really wind up caring about them in the end and it's similar to to hill house like you know um the the way they introduce the crane family the way they kind of give you that backstory so that when you when you finally catch up to present day um you're you're firmly rooting for them and that's the same with my manner like you know the characters like you really care for the whole time i was like man if if owen dies i'm gonna lose this i'm gonna be so generally the most purest character of all (laughs) like yeah like you're literally like anytime you're on screen you're like don't don't kill him please Please just let him get away unscathed but yeah no yeah Um, like every character i'm invested in there is a point i want to bring up about haunting a blind manor and it's a small little mechanic that made a huge impact for me being scary. And that's the dollhouse. And when it's explained that um, the little girl, who is she again? Um, uh, Flora. Flora. Uh, that she knows where these ghosts are. And then you learn each of these ghosts, like the plague doctor or um, uh, the doll face, that she's actually putting them in the house where they are. And you look over to the side there and you see under her uh, dresser is um the, the lady in the lake yeah mm-hmm. and i'm like oh okay like we're not all connected together but it's like okay so she knows where these ghosts are and so like you can see the, the plague doctors in the attic right now or doll faces in the basement but when she's looking across and it pans to the lady in the lake over top of the bed i genuinely had like a, a miniature like like heart attack i was so scared and i just loved that i loved how he was able to do something as simple as this little tiny toy and use it to convey an easy mechanic right and Mm. that's something like that's the only one of the real genuine scare moments in this whereas hill house had a lot more uh, deeper eerie uh connections but i like to see more of that type of little mechanics uh in horror movies because a little a little thing like that can go a long way to to just like just show a little tiny cool uh, point Mm-hmm. I, I think the um, they also have a lot of um, so so the theme that jumps between the two is the the theme of family right and and really if you think about if you break them down both series and compare them uh, the the loss of family creates ghosts and the uh, and the reuniting of family um, exercises ghosts or however you want to say that it's a it's mm-hmm. an interesting theme. Um, the one thing I didn't really get was the fact that um, uh, Theodora's character, she ended up like, like she was just like, hey, I should just start choking people. Like she's like, oh, I lost my family. I should just start choking people. Like like if, if there's a Doug ghost out there, it'd be a while before I defaulted to choking people. It'd be like, <laughs> oh. I just felt like, because, okay, so it makes sense with her sister, right? She chokes out her sister because she's being a, because she murdered him, murdered her, and uh, and now she is opening that box that she wasn't allowed to open, right? But then, like scene two, it's like some guys like, oh, uh, I'm a plague doctor. I'm helping people. <laughs> hey, you're here. I'm gonna choke you. And you're like, why is why is she choking him? And then she does that to a child, and she does it to like a couple of other people. I'm just like, like, is this a choking ghost? Like, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm going off on this. L- on Theodora choking people. No, that's fine. Um, I think... He also choked Danny for an extended period of time. Yeah. To the point where I'm like, how are you still alive, Danny? Like, <laughs> I, li- I like how Elliot got choked for three seconds and literally almost died. 
And Danny goes choked for like half an hour as she gets drugged around the house. And she wakes the up, she's, still. And she wakes up, she's like, Oh, I had a bad dream or whatever. I don't I don't remember how she acted. Um, <laughs> Another thing too, look, if every other day from like the day you started working there, strange muddy footprints would walk through the house. Like I get it the first time you see him, you're like, oh, these kids are running around. But obviously they're women's feet. Like I could even see that from just on screen. At some point you're like, okay, so so who keep what woman keeps walking through the house with muddy? Like, I don't know. It's one of those things where I and I mentioned this a couple of times, if you've listened to the other ones, where there are points of horror movies or shows or stories that I always like, I'm always like, oh, because I would never do that. And that just bothers me a little bit. But anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. The nature of when a ghost goes from just being a ghost to being a dick is uh, it's interesting. And it never really makes sense to me. Like in my head, I'm like, so if you're a spirit that's haunting me after that's, you know, haunting the afterlife or whatever, um, like, why, why would you want to be this? much of an asshole to people it never makes a lot of sense to me um and i guess like poltergeists explain that a little bit and more often than not you know when it's when it's a ghost that's like particularly terrible it's like it's a ghost that was like a really terrible thing in like in um when it was alive you know it was like the ghost of a murderer or something like that um the lady in the lake is is not She's just like, I guess, like a really proud woman. So having her kind of just turn into this like horrible monster, just like wanting to to choke people out. Yeah, it is. It is a bit of a strange. Um, it's a bit of a leap for her character. Um, but I guess I I don't know. I guess that's like proud nature of her is like she can be the only person that owns Bly Manor. Like I don't know. Well, that being um, said, I've I've never personally choked anybody. So maybe yeah. like maybe Ghost Doug after choking his first victim would be like, okay, I, I can get into this. <laughs> <laughs> like that's look, you guys are laughing, but that's definitely what Theodora did. She was just like, oh yeah, I choked my first person. Next person, damn. <laughs> and then there's this guy like, "Hey, I'm helping the plague victims." Ah, like he gets choked, and <laughs> and then Peter Quint's like, "Hey, you kids, stop screwing around!" Like gets choked out and dragged around, and you're like, "What the hell?" Sonny was sorry. Uh, I guess we could like talk about the ending a little bit. I should say like it's not the ending I thought was gonna happen. Um, you know, like I, um, by the time like watching the last episode, um it really wraps up the events in the first like 10 minutes of that episode. And um, once it kind of wrapped up, I like kind of paused it and looked and looked the the timeline on it. And I was like, huh, there's still like 40 more minutes in this episode. I wonder what they're going to do with it. Um, And then it like really starts to go into, um, into uh, Danny and uh, gosh, I forgot her name, the gardener. Jamie, sorry. Jamie, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Once it starts to get into Danny and Jamie's relationship, I was like, "Oh wow, like this is um, this is nice." 
I, I hope this doesn't end in, in just horrible tragedy for all of us. Nope. Um, <laughs> and, um, and like, sure enough, like it starts to build towards this inevitable climax and it's horrible. And it's just the worst feeling like watching, watching it through to the end. But like, yeah. you know, I was having this discussion with someone else and they said about how, it's probably like a really good um, metaphor for what it's like living with someone with like um, critical kind of like mental illness or something like that or a chronic illness, something like that. Cause it's this, it's this pain that you can't take away what you do. Um, and it's kind of following them and it's haunting them their entire life. And yeah. And the ending is horrifying, is horrible. It's, it's, it's incredibly mm-hmm. tragic. Um but it really does um, more so than Hill House did. Um, and I did enjoy the ending of Hill House, but way more than Hill House did. Like it really makes the storyline so meaningful. And, um, and you know, the final ending with, uh, with the Cheryl Crow song uh, was, was like super touching. It's a beautiful ending. I, I really enjoyed it. It was just so devastating though. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be a, uh, a theme an ongoing theme if they continue yeah. on it's like oh this girl who if she if she's in the third season uh the girl who played now the girl who played danny just keeps getting she's, killed. Like, she's just like yeah doomed to not be have a happy ending yeah. at the end of every one of her stories i literally thought that the minute she got started getting choked out by the lady in the lake i was like they're off again fine mm-hmm. like the third alliteration like it's the opening she just gets killed with a falling anvil on her head or something like that once again another character like she's really good at playing another actress like she's really good at playing that sympathetic character that you're like devastated when she does die like i tend to get uh like attached to her characters that she plays just nitpicking here too when they when they when they flash forward to and they they wrap the story up with the gardener like wrapping up her story and then you're like oh they're all they're all the characters um that's cool and they kind of show who they are mm-hmm. um the dude who's playing the older version of owen i'm like first of all you look exactly the same age as the as the younger <laughs> owen like why did they pick why did they pick this guy who's like i don't know not more than 3 years older than his than the younger version was i'm like who who is this dude and then um, and then they aged gina Gugar, uh, gugano uh gugino gugino carla gugino they carla aged her gugino, so, yeah. to the point where it's like how many years has this been since this happened <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> so, i yeah. know what you mean exactly like it was almost inconsistently aged the people yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. It, wait, did did you grow a mustache because of your your love for the Owen character? Uh, yeah, in anticipation, like <laughs> I started growing this mustache in the summer because of because I knew that this character was going to be so lovable. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dick. This you know, is going to be my Halloween costume. Is I'm I'm going to go as <laughs> Owen Sharma from uh, from Blind Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in all honesty, you could pull it off with exactly what you're wearing now. So they... <laughs> I know it's true. I'll find an apron, an apron to toss on myself and, and yeah. dust myself with some flour. And just be like charming. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I also too, an, another scene was um, like Owen's character. Not sorry, not Owen. Um, Elliot, Elliot's character. I don't remember his name. What's his no, name? My God. <laughs> no one's going to know who we're talking about. I know. Characters. We're talking. Who are we even talking about? Henry um, Thomas. Yeah. Henry Thomas's character. Sorry. Continue. Henry Thomas's character. See, the thing is, is 
I wasn't the one thing I didn't get was was he being truly haunted by a ghost or was that just a mental illness thing? And so there's this whole like aspect that it adds into because like like obviously he was guilt he felt guilt ridden because of uh, ha- what happened with his brother and how it like destroyed his family and how they died on their trip to India or whatever it was. In, in one of the two, uh, you see ghosts as being like um, as as it, mental illnesses, like and that's uh, and, and even um, Nell uh, when her nerd boyfriend when when nerd ghost I don't think that was an actual ghost I think that was just like uh, like like uh, like a mental illness. It's side. kind of like the ghost of their pasts. Yeah, I, um, I, I viewed them as. Yeah. Also, just to clarify, people are wondering who we're talking about. When we're talking about nerd ghost. <laughs> We're talking about her fiance that was, you know, tragically killed uh, in that collision. Um, uh, for some reason, because he has glasses, we're calling him a nerd ghost. Um, but anyways. Also, he did, tra- think, he did uh, die tragically and stuff, and I'm so sorry for his character. So. To go back to your point, though, about um, the, those ghosts that aren't really ghosts, that obviously, you know, you know that that really does kind of start with hill house and like when i first watched hill house that's the uh the lens i was looking at it through was this like oh like are all of these hauntings real real or what is happening to these characters and in hill house it it happens a lot you know like obviously like luke's um character is being haunted by this by this ghost but it's also his addiction right it's his addiction that's creating this ghost that follows him um, I think like the closest version, like when you when you think about um, Henry Thomas's character in this one, um, and the fact that he's seeing this twisted version of himself, and that's the ghost that's kind of haunting him, um, it reminds me of like um, Shirley's uh, ghost in in Hill House, um, not even a ghost at all, and and you really like you never really get that explanation until that very last episode one of the very last episodes and it really kind of puts this into perspective but the guy holding up the cocktail glass and and the explanation for for what it is and where he comes from it's got this like really tragic feel to it and i think like that's something that this show has really kind of nailed down really well you know is the nature that like ghosts aren't just frightening manifestations of evil or something like that or manifestations of like spirits with like unfinished business or something like that um like you create these ghosts and sometimes they can just be like regret you know or or grief and and it's just gonna follow you and it's just gonna like kind of sit with you you know reminds me also of the babadook um in another way um Oh, I think I think that is a really cool theme that kind of carries through both series, and I'm I do really hope they do more series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Me too, because it would be it would be really cool to see how they explore them. Did you guys notice that the house seemingly looked like the same set too? Oh yeah, it was the same set, the same house. That was pretty interesting. I, I like that. The main, like... the main hall is um, a stairway that goes up and then curves around. Oh my god! No, and and, and actually, I, even, I never even, the... even put that together. But yeah, uh, the yeah, kitchen, the house, the, sorry, looks the pretty similar. Are exactly the same. Everything. It, it's the same house. They just decorate it differently for the set. And so maybe for like the if they do future shows, they would also continue with the same house or whatever. 
Sorry. It reminds me a lot of the, the the house, the mansion in Resident Evil. Resident Maybe Evil. Resident Evil will be the, the next chapter in this series. <laughs> yeah. Where they series, just adapt the episode, first game. Episode 3, The Haunting of the... <laughs> what's the manor in Resident Evil called? It's the... Spencer Mansion. The Spen- oh, yeah. It's The Haunting of Spencer Mansion. Yeah. I'd be stoked for that. It would suck because it would be such a... Thanks for drastic, ruining my dreams, Doug. It'd be such a drastic, like... Uh, and then you know, nail gets and now like... zombies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if they nail it, man, like who knows? Like, what if they just like absolutely nail it and they manage to do a Resident Evil TV series that somehow cap- captures the same like themes as Hill House? I- I'd be into that, <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. Also, mm-hmm. t- well, what does Turn of the Screw mean? They never really um... approach the subject again, they're just like. The lady starts like, well, what turn of the screw? There must be two turns of the screw. And I'm like, what the hell? I think that it's implying the uh, tension is in, is in, like, for the, when kids are involved, I think that was what I was reading. It's like the fact that kids are involved, the tension that is an additional turn to a turn of the screw. And it like makes it a lot more tense as soon as kids are involved. Does anybody else want to add anything? I just want to make a comment that I noticed earlier, uh, specifically with uh, Jesse's review, is how much he like really doesn't like Henry James's writing. <laughs> like you really came out of this like hating this book, which it's I found boring. hilarious. <laughs> Jesse's just like just like hates James- Henry James. We should just want read make him read another Henry James book. No, please. <laughs> That's that's my haunting of Hill House haunting is me having to go live through uh, Henry James's work over and over again. Uh, no, I just didn't like it. It was boring. No, I, it wasn't very interesting. I completely agree. I, I I think this is this is one that we're like I'm sure at the way in we'd probably all agree that it's one where where adaptation is so much better than the book. Like, yeah, it was like Star Trek. Like so, we've had two now where Starship Troopers was better and. Uh, Haunting a Blind Manor was better for sure. Yeah, and then the other ones, like I mean, it's debatable, but I think that you would, could argue that the books were better. It's all it's all very debatable, but these are ones are two like slam dunks in my opinion. Um, so what do you guys think? WWE casting? Yeah, let's get into our recurring segment where we uh, ask <laughs> our favorite WWE superstars to play uh, to play the roles of the novel. So, so uh, Vince be... plays. Uh... Henry plays the governess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, Vince is a very good casting for Henry uh, Wingrave or whatever his name is, uh, Elliot's character. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying not to call him Elliot because apparently for some odd reason, you guys don't like me calling him uh, by his real name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Vince is a good call for that one. Um, the great Kali for at least one of the characters. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I like, as, like as, as Owen Sharma's character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Super racist. Like that's that's might definitely as, what might WWE... as well get, get another brown character, <laughs> uh, another brown actor to to play him. <laughs> somehow, somehow equally as charming though. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? I like... actually really want to see this. I would. <laughs> I just want to put uh, the great Kali in a uh, in a in a love uh, a love role like what no what is that romance role or whatever. Well, he he had that whole character as the Punjabi playboy for a while, <laughs> which was uh, so confusing. But uh, but it's up his alley. Like I feel like it's something he would 
of of two yeah it's funny when you watch like when you try to cast these like spooky movies like my mind immediately goes to well like obviously bray wyatt would fit in there somewhere but i'm like uh he'd have to be a ghost he'd have to be the lady in the lake he he dressed up as sister (laughs) if he was doing a sister abigail that he never got to do uh like in the match with finn balor yeah that's uh, that's how he does the lady in the lake um no um becky lynch as peter quinn yeah, yeah, just the 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 closest. First of all, Becky Lynch is Irish. Prince why Spanish. wouldn't why wouldn't okay. it be Drew McIntyre if we wanted to go for accents? <laughs> I don't know. Just I don't know. Just because they both have red hair. <laughs> oh yeah, that's another thing. In the book, actually, Peter Quinn has red hair, right? Like, uh, yeah, he does. Sorry. Which I feel is just I feel is just their their subtle uh, ginger like hate ons like coming so, through. <laughs> yeah. Because obviously, too, in the book, which we never touched on this, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but the book obviously had some uh, themes of child abuse um, between uh, Peter yeah. Quint. Um, and yeah. so there's like a ginger hate on because it's like all ginger's child abuse. That's that's the. Oh, I guess. yeah. So wait, you guys <laughs> got right. that, too. There was definitely there was like one or two lines of like, he's like, oh, he was just too free with uh, the, the yeah. and I'm just like. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, it's, am I, am I like in the back of my mind? I'm like, eh, maybe is my I, mind in the gutter here? Like, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's exactly what I was thinking. But I, I yeah. guess if you guys go pick that up too. No, I no, I, I, I definitely picked it up. I'm yeah, not there's sure, even like a synopsis about it, how the whole novel was about child abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the um, interpretations of it are that the ghosts are ghosts of child molesters. Um, so I was, really kind of stealing myself when i was watching the uh tv show i was like oh boy i uh i hope that that's not what the the route they take on this show they really dodged that bullet eh so we but... so we need someone who would be a con- convincing child abuser <laughs> to play to play the part of Peter current is what we're saying uh, the wwe roster yeah so who's the most despicable wrestler you can think of there's a lot of them there's a lot <laughs> Anything else you guys want to bring up? I think we've covered it all pretty pretty well. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Page and Screen. Our next uh, pick for book club is um, A Boy and His Dog, a short story written by Harlan Ellison. And we will be watching the adaptation from 1975, also called A Boy and His Dog. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thank you. Special thanks, as always, to me and my friend for creating all the music you hear on this show. If you'd like to hear more of their music, check them out by visiting meandmyfriend.bandcamp.com. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really like us, leave us a review and a rating. You can also connect with us on social media. We are at Page and Screen 1 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also search Page and Screen on YouTube where you can watch a video version of this show. We post regular updates of all the books we read and all the movies we watch. And boy, we would love to hear your thoughts on them. And finally, make sure you spread the word about this show. If you know a book nerd or a film geek in your life, please pass it on. We would love to reach new people. Maybe you know someone who hates shepherd's pie as much as I do. Until the next page and screen, thank you for listening.